Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Memorial Day weekend. Memorial, I'd say, in the United States. And um, it has become now commonplace uh, in the given the travails of the retail industry and its desperation to get us in the door for um, them to have Memorial Day weekend sales. Furniture, cars, mattresses, you know, whatever you've been thinking about buying online. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Imagine the savings. I, I get all that. I just don't get the idea of a Memorial Day weekend sale on rain, which is what we've been having today here in New Orleans. It's like inventory liquidation with the emphasis on the liquid. It's, it's like a year's worth of rain coming down today. So if you like rain or if you just like rain, this is the place to be. Um, this is a program, ladies and gentlemen, that will feature a lot of uh, information from disparate parts of the globe. Disparate parts of the globe, I say. Um, Britain, Australia, New Zealand, Malaysia. Almost every part of the globe, as a matter of fact. <laughs> the French. No, that's about the only one that, that's not. It is a, a, a show filled with news from outside the bubble. And... Uh, there will be music happening. Proving my point in an odd way, in an odd-sounding way. Experts say cost-cutting and technological change in the polling process, the public opinion polling process, is leading to many inaccurate and misleading suggestions. That is to say, projections. This in the wake of the vastly surprising result in the weekend's election in Australia. Nearly all the polls predicted that Labor Party head Bill Shorten would have an easy win over Prime Minister Scott Morrison, ScoMo. In fact, for two years, the polls had picked the opposition to take government. This according to ABC News down there. Different ABC. Don't even think about it. Instead, it was a shock loss for Labor... Why exactly were the polls, as ABC's own political editor put it, and election night coverage, such a shambles? Well, a former boss of one poll down there, Martin O'Shaughnessy, yeah, O'Shaughnessy, blamed the flawed forecasting on the fact that many people's telephone habits had changed. That's right, it's our fault. Quote, not everybody has a landline, and the numbers that are published are incomplete, unquote. He said until he left News Poll four years ago, the company had used probability sampling, where a random sample of telephone numbers are called across the country to reflect the population. It was successful because it allowed every potential voter to have a say in the poll, he said. ABC News' own, this is different ABC, uh, own election analyst, Anthony Green, agreed the sampling used to be so much more reliable. Quote, they switched from an operator asking questions to randomly calling mobile numbers and robocalls, he said. There has been a drop-off in response rates, and there has also been a drop-off in the quality of the data. You know, the nutty thing is, it's not just true of Australia. I, I don't know if you noticed that, but now it's true there, too. 
It, it, yes, it's nutty. And it, it, here's, here's how nutty it is this weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Tallahatchie Bridge, which I thought was in Mississippi, apparently has now been moved to Alabama. Hello, welcome to the show. Was it third of June, another sleepy, dusty Delta day? I was out chopping cotton and my brother was baling hay. And at dinner time we stopped and walked back to the house to eat. And mama hollered at the back door, y'all remember to wipe your feet. And then she said, I got some news this morning from Choctaw Ridge. Today, Billy Joe McAllister jumped off the Tallahatchie Bridge. Papa said to Mama as he passed around the black-eyed peas, Well, Billy Joe never had a lick of sense. Pass the biscuits, please. There's five more acres in the lower 40 I got to plow. And Mama said it was a shame about Billy Joe anyhow. Seems like nothing ever comes to no good up on Choctaw Ridge. And now Billy Joe McAllister's jumped off the Tallahatchie Bridge. And brother said he recollected when he and Tom and Billy Joe put a frog down my back at the Carroll County Picture Show. Wasn't I talking to him after church last Sunday night? I'll have another piece of apple pie. You know it don't seem right. I saw him at the sawmill yesterday on Choctaw Ridge. And now you tell me Billy Joe's jumped off the Tallahatchie Bridge. said to me, child, what's happened to your appetite? I've been cooking all morning and you haven't touched a single bite. That nice young preacher, Brother Taylor, dropped by today. Said he'd be pleased to have dinner on Sunday. Oh, by the way, He said he saw a girl that looked a lot like you up on Choctaw Ridge. And she and Billy Joe was throwing something off the Tallahatchie Bridge. A year has come and gone since we heard the news about Billy Joe. And brother married Becky Thompson, they bought a store in Tupelo. There was a virus going round, Papa caught it and it died last spring. 
And now mama doesn't seem to want to do much of anything And me, I spend a lot of time picking flowers up on Choctaw Ridge And drop them into the muddy water off the Tallahatchie Bridge From New Orleans, Louisiana, I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome you to this edition of Le Show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news, the award-winning news of the warm. I don't even remember. It's been so long since it won an award. But anyway. Soft, listen to the warm. So little about this program has. You know, you got to... We can listen to the warm. The Globe, you've heard of it has just experienced its second warmest April since reliable instrument data began way back in 1880, according to NASA and the Japan Meteorological Agency. The unusually warm April follows a top three hottest March, indicates that the Earth is on record for yet another top three warmest year on record, according to Axios. This follows recent news that carbon dioxide levels in the atmosphere edged past 415 parts per million for the first time in human history. I bet the dinosaurs did that, though, don't you think? Likely becoming the highest level on record in at least three million years. Let's see the dinosaurs beat that. Human activities such as burning fossil fuels for energy and chopping down forests are causing carbon carbon dioxide levels to increase at a quickening pace. According to NASA, April saw a global temperature anomaly of uh, 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit above the 20th century average. The only... uh, April, it was cooler than this past April, was April 2016 when a powerful El Nino event. You went to that, didn't you? In the Pacific, helped add a natural boost in global temperatures that were already accelerated due to climate change. Right now, there's a weak El Nino event. Get your tickets at featuring unusually warm water in the tropical Pacific Ocean along with an increase in showers and thunderstorm activity near the equator. Well, that explains it. It's helping to add additional heat to the atmosphere. The Arctic, including Greenland and Siberia, was particularly mild during April. Well, you know where to go next April. Let's all go to the Arctic. The Greenland melt season got off to an especially early start. This is all by way of saying, uh uh-oh. And all by way of saying the uh, Australian election, speaking of which, was a bad news not only for the labor gov- uh, labor opposition and for the pollsters. It was bad news for the, uh, arguably, for uh, us doing anything about the climate because uh, the Australian government, the uh, incumbent and continuing coalition government down there, is a big fan of the coal industry. The Australian coal industry, you know, they want to win the war on coal. A recently study found that Greenland has shed ice nearly six times faster in the past decade compared to the 1980s. Last year was Earth's fourth warmest year on record, coming in behind 2016, that was the warmest, as well as 2015 and 2017. Now, there's no trend. <laughs> what do you mean a trend? The world's five warmest years have all occurred since 2014. Nine of the ten warmest years on record since that reliable data collection began have occurred since 2005. Global carbon dioxide emissions ticked up to t- in 2018 to the highest levels in recorded history. 
according to the International Energy Agency. And according to Berkeley Earth researcher Robert Rode, carbon dioxide levels have increased more in the last 15 years than they did in uh, the prior 9,000 years when fossil fuels were first introduced. Earth, meet fossil fuels. News of the warm. Mm-hmm. It, oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's copyrighted. I, I don't know if that's even worth mentioning anymore. Will there be copyright? Um, now, ladies and gentlemen, this is your brain on the war on drugs. It seems anomalous. It seems absurd at this point in time when you can uh, fly out to California. No, I, there's more. And uh, at least around Los Angeles, see billboards. The billboards that aren't for great new movies and TV shows are for uh, services that will deliver marijuana to your house for a price. I mean, businesses, businesses, billboards. See what I'm saying? Meanwhile, the war on drugs continues. Judges in Orleans Parish Criminal District Court, this is in New Orleans, may be punishing people with fines, increased bonds, or jail time based on flawed drug testing, according to a new report by Court Watch NOLA, shared with us by the Lens. Full disclosure, I'm a board member of the uh, nonprofit news organization, the Lens. The report released this week found that the drug testing lab in New Orleans does not follow scientific best practices. Well, at least, but they don't follow worst practices. Let's be fair. Best practices when doing drug screens, failing to adequately confirm test results and avoid false positives. Are you sure? I'm false positive. The court's use of these questionable drug tests on defendants appears to be a common occurrence in New Orleans, according to Court Watch NOLA. And research cited in the report indicates that such testing may not reduce recidivism. The group did identify dozens of cases where people went to jail for contempt after getting a positive drug test. Sanctions handed out by judges based on positive drug screens are, quote, inappropriate, inconsistent, and inequitable, according to the organization. National drug testing standards, oh, well, called for court-issued drug tests to be done in two steps, screening and confirmation. In New Orleans, the court's lab does not confirm initial positive results with a second test using an alternative method. That should be done, you see, to eliminate false positives. That's uh, typically done, the confirmation, during, using a process called gas or liquid chromatography mass spectrometry. The spectrometry. According to the report, the lab lacks any equipment capable of performing those tests. And there's no indication that drug testing samples are sent off-site where they do have the equipment. Instead, the lab's own policy manual describes the confirmation step this way. Retesting the same sample using the same method. (laughs) Well, you know what, what they call it when you do the same thing and get the same result over and over again. Drug test. And I mean insanity. In a review of 11 case files in which defendants were held in contempt for positive drug screen, nine cases did not show retests were conducted at all. The uh, guidelines put up by the National Drug Court Institute, unless a defendant admits to using the drug identified by a screening, a confirmation of positive results should be 
mandatory. Positive screen can have serious consequences. At least 77 examples in which defendants were held in contempt and sanctioned by a judge for a positive drug test last year. 59 of those defendants spent time in jail as a result for an average of 18 days. Some people get uh, sent to jail for contempt. Not Bill Barr, but mandating drug screens of defendants in New Orleans District Court is a common practice. In 2018, the magistrate judge or commissioner who's presiding over the first court appearance of an accused conditioned their pretrial bail release on a drug test 6% of the time. So just because you're charged and then you take a drug test and it comes up with a false positive, you could could do time in jail. On the other hand, you could fly to California and get weed delivered to your house. Yeah, it's it's a it's a psychedelic world we live in. I'll tell you that it's this is your brain on the war on drugs. It's um. It's wacky, isn't it? And uh, now, ladies and gentlemen, I think it's time uh, we hear from Ralph, the talking computer. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air. And over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Well, the fowl of the air, I don't think the Bible meant what we're doing to it. There was a study this week published in the Guardian newspaper that uh, polluted air not only does damage to the lungs of the human body, but to every other organ and system in the human body. So you might want to breathe a little less deeply. Meanwhile, down in New Zealand, New Zealand, <laughs> however they say it, not even going to try. Its environment is in a precarious state. You'd think it's an island. It's down there, you know, in the Pacific all by itself. Everything's cool. Wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you think? You'd, you would, maybe. And you'd be wrong. Uh, it's in a precarious state, you see. Um, and this comes from a, um, an environment study undertaken by the Ministry for the Environment and STATS New Zealand. Not SPATS, STATS. Major issue include, issues include thousands of species threatened or at risk of extinction. Oh, that again. Rivers unsafe for swimming. Eh. The loss of productive land due to urban expansion. They'll get the food from somewhere else. And a warming climate likely to destabilize many parts of the environment. The report described an environment besieged in numerous ways, mainly by human actions. Humans versus environment. At the end of the first half, humans leading. The report showed that when it comes to the environment's overall health, quote, things are very bad. We've spent too many years in denial about how our actions from rampant dairy conversions to destructive seabed trawling are irreversibly harming our natural world, says Kevin Haig of an organization called Forest and Bird. Forest and Bird. As a nation, we need to make a bold plan, yeah, right, 
to protect and restore nature now, unquote. While it paints a grim picture in many respects, the report's assessment of native ecosystems and the plants and animals they contain is particularly bleak. Almost two-thirds of rare ecosystems in New Zealand were threatened by collapse, according to the report. Thousands of individual species either threatened or at risk of distinct, uh, <laughs> of extinction. Not distinction, extinction. It's different. These species include 90% of all seabirds, 84% of reptiles, 76% of freshwater fish, 74% of terrestrial birds. Many of the habitats, land, fresh water, and marine that our native species rely on have been reduced or damaged, said the report. Such large-scale changes can make some species particularly vulnerable to extinction and lead to the degradation of entire ecosystems. Are there any left? I thought we got rid of those. And the other thing, some species face improving prospects due to intensive conservation efforts. Many more were sliding closer to extinction, particularly 4,000, which have a threat classification deeming them at risk. 75 species at least have become extinct since human arrival in New Zealand. 59 birds, 3 frogs, 2 reptiles, 4 insects, and 7 plants. Because, you see, only a small portion of New Zealand's native species have been documented. We know about 11,000 of them. That's probably 20% of what actually exists on the island, on the islands. The true scale of the, that's two islands. The true scale of the problem was unknown, and probably a significant underestimate. The consequence is a biodiversity crisis of unknown magnitude, says the chief science advisor for the New Zealand Department of Conservation. The lower profile flora and fauna are an essential component of our biodiversity, he said. Well, why don't they do more to raise their profile? Get a, a you know Instagram feed or something. Hey, here I am on a summer Sunday. Look at me says a plant. They're the building blocks that make up our soils, provide food for birds and fish and enrich habitats, but we don't know the rate of loss because we don't have a complete picture of what's there. New Zealand's environment has been fundamentally transformed. The extent of native land cover had declined significantly, continues to do so. The country crossed a threshold seven years ago in which 51% of its land cover had been modified either through exotic grasses or urbanization. Native forests once covered 80% of New Zealand. Today they cover 26%. Many waterways continue to be polluted by human activities. Just, you know, just imagine. 15 times as much E. coli in rivers in pastoral areas, 10 times as much nitrogen, more than three times as much phosphorus as rivers in native land. 82% of rivers in pastoral areas not suitable for swimming because you could get Campylobacter. You don't want that. The uh, water usage by person in New Zealand, more than 2 million liters a year, the second highest in the uh, developing countries, nearly triple the average. They're thirsty buggers down there, aren't they? The warming climate is showing up in the data from melting glaciers to more severe floods to an increase in wasp numbers in some areas. That'll scare you. Forget all the other stuff. Just tell people there'll be more wasps. Then we'll see. The average annual temperature is the warmest it has been in 10,000 years in New Zealand. The report was not met with surprise by the government. We've known for years about the pollution and damage we're causing, says the environment minister. 
He said the government was in the process of tightening environmental rules. If, he says, with all our advantages, New Zealand can't overcome its environmental problems, then the world won't, unquote. You got that right. Oh, but there's more. There is more when it comes to um, Dominion, which we got. They gave it to us. He gave it to us. Somebody gave it to us. Ralph, the talking computer, gave it to us moments ago. A new study released this week reports that the beaches of Australian islands are littered with an alarming volume of plastic debris. Why would you be alarmed at this point? Uh, The report published in the scientific journal Scientific Reports, (laughs) hence the name, surveyed the Keeling Islands and found roughly 414 million pieces of plastic waste have washed up onto the island's beaches. An estimated 977,000 shoes, 373,000 toothbrushes, and millions of other various plastic-based items. This isn't microplastics. These are macroplastics. The head researcher of the study suggests these are troubling numbers due to the remote nature of these islands. Nobody there. Population of 600. The debris washing up on the shores of the isolated regions inform us just how much trash is circulating around the Earth's oceans. But the good news is if you find yourself out at sea needing a toothbrush, just put your hand in the water and wait. Study reports that with millions of, ton of pla- tons of plastics being produced and deposited into the oceans each year, the kinds of numbers being observed in the Keeling Islands could easily worsen over time. Like what won't? Researchers found the issues associated with plastic debris have a major impact on the survival of local ecosystems. This kind of waste interferes with bacterial growth and survival. The bacteria are relevant to climate because they're the key species that produce oxygen in the ocean. That's all. And they don't get paid for that. Well, they do. You get paid for it by being wiped out. So such plastic washing up on beaches can pose threats to the overall global climate, said the leader of the study. Plastic debris exposed to UV sunlight on beaches emits ethylene, methane, and propane, even at low temperatures. That contributes to greenhouse gas emissions. It's a system. Solutions to this problem problem are becoming increasingly problematic, as might be appropriate with a problem. With the sheer volume of plastic polluting the ocean, the ability to cleanse it completely is no longer a viable option. Researchers say now improved waste management (laughs) and reduction of plastic production (laughs) serve as the most viable answers to this issue moving forward. But what about if we want to move sideways? Crickets and tumbleweeds, ladies and gentlemen, they have no answer for that. Because whether you like it or not, whether the earth likes it or not, we have dominion.
Oh, it's so peculiar, this edition of the show from New Orleans. And now more um, from outside the bubble. I don't think, unless you you, um, patronize uh, news media that are not located in the United States, you you probably haven't heard about any of this. Um, And certainly, we in the United States take credit, deservedly so, for the infliction of uh, reality television and its uh, offspring on the world. It's all over the place now, uh, as is the, uh, the tech revolution that uh, came from our very, our very own Silicon Valley. Well, now, I, I think, I'm just going to pause here to uh, make a personal observation. I think we've lived through uh, a couple decades plus of a period when tech executives, either because they believed it or because they thought it made them more money, had a uh, an excessively naively optimistic view of human nature. Um, I thought about this way back in uh, the mid the early mid nineteen nineties when everybody was utopian utopianizing. Of the internet and uh, its ability to liberate us, and I thought back to uh, reading about the debut of network radio, cross-country network radio, transcontinental ne- network radio in the United States in the late 1920s, and on the inaugural broadcast on the cross-country hookup. Very exciting radio going coast to coast. It's like having a radio in every house just like the NPR lady said. Um, The owner of NBC, General David Sarnoff at the time, 
Well, he was General David Sarnoff at the time, but he, at the time he was the owner of NBC, said in the inaugural broadcast that this new medium was a too important a tool for education and uh, enlightening the public to be left to the hands of the hucksters, was his quote, ladies and gentlemen. See how that turned out. So here we are now at the other end of the uh, liberating thing. And uh, Instagram executives now say they are heartbroken over the reported suicide of a teenager in Malaysia who posted a poll to Instagram. The 16-year-old asked other users whether she should live or die. She's thought to have killed herself hours later. The technology company's leader said it was too soon to say if they would take any action against account holders who took part in the vote. <laughs> they were questioned about the matter in uh, the British Parliament as part of um, an inquiry by the Parliament Committee on Digital Culture, Media, and Sport into immersive and addictive technologies. Like me on Facebook, won't you? Reports indicate the unarmed teenager killed herself early this week in the eastern state of Sarawak. She ran a poll asking, quote, really important, help me choose D slash L, die and live, respectively. This took advantage of a feature that Instagram uh, introduced in 2017 that allows users to pose a question via a sticker placed over one of their photos with viewers asked to tap on one of two possible responses. The app then tallies the votes. Because what could go wrong? At one point, more than two-thirds of respondents had been in favor of the 16-year-old not continuing to live. But wait, that's not all. And it's not just the Internet. Remember I mentioned reality TV at the beginning of this little peroration? Well, a daytime, a daytime British TV show. Now imagine this, a daytime TV talk show where guests are brought on to um, expose, discuss, be pilloried about their personal problems, personal life problems. The Jeremy Kyle Show. It's been canceled. Had a long, successful run on Britain's commercial television channel, ITV. It's been canceled after a man who appeared on the program killed himself shortly after appearing on an episode. It was an episode about infidelity. The uh, show proposed that he take a lie detector test because he said he had not been unfaithful to his wife. He flunked the lie detector test and hours later killed himself. Of course, lie detector tests are so accurate, especially the ones on TV shows. Following outrage from mental health experts and members of parliament, the show was uh, canceled permanently. And uh, a former head of the network, interviewed by the BBC, said this. I would never have commissioned this program, and if I'd had any influence over it, I wouldn't have had it on the air. But that's then. And uh, this is after now. Um... So you have the Jeremy Kyle show, but wait, you also have a show called Love Island. The Kyle show, going back to it, had been on the air for 14 years. Everyone at ITV's thoughts and sympathies with the family and friends of the uh, deceased. Of course, that's the requisite public relations statement. Now calls have mounted for Love Island to be canceled as well. It's a kind of a romance-based reality show. Two alumni of that show have committed suicide. One last year, a female, and a male this year. 
according to Metro UK. And will it stop? Maybe not. Reality TV goes there. Is it too real or just too soon? Got to the Inside Extra Access tonight for the middle of May 2019. Hi, everybody. I'm Mike DeVere Barroso, happily remarried. And I'm Pat Mungo. It's complicated. For more than two decades now, we've had reality TV in our lives. Amazing. And producers are constantly looking for the next big, seemingly real thing. Semi-scripted so-called docu-soaps still fill up many cable schedules. But competition shows get the big audience numbers, the kind we wish we had. Mm-hmm. Longtime British TV producer Justin Mulville has come to Hollywood with what he thinks is the next step. But is it a step forward? Or sideways. Between the Love Island incidents and uh, what's just happened in the daytime show, it uh, just became obvious that uh, edgy, controversial, incredibly watchable television no longer had a home in the UK or in Europe, for that matter. Fortunately, it still does in the US. So, Hollywood, I'm here. Dustin came to me with a (laughs) bag full of concepts, but... uh, one just knocked it out of the park before it even came up to the plate. Executive producer Andy Sheflow, head of production at MGL Studios. More people watch the World Series than regular season baseball. Ditto with football and the Super Bowl. Why? Because the stakes are higher. And what I told Andy, and I know it seems obvious, but that's why it's true. No stakes are higher than life or death. He said that. It just blew the roof off. And did pretty much the same with uh, what was above the roof. The concept is deceptively simple. People come on the show asking one simple question. Should they continue to experience their present status on the life-death continuum? Of course, the show's title sums up the concept a bit more briskly. So you think you should live. The studio audience is there with live, so there's online feedback. The contestants do some tasks answer some questions, and then there's voting. Because everybody loves voting, as long as politicians aren't involved. Audience voting on whether a contestant lives or dies? It sure does sound edgy. But is it over the edge? Or just at the edge? Dr. Sylvia Brinkerhoff is psychological consultant to the project, as well as an investor in the production. Obviously, we're turning on some new and quite delicate ground here, as well as some thin and delicate ice. So we are preparing to take great care in preparing our guests for their experience, as well as offering them up to two hours of after-show counseling for the eventual winner. (sighs) Of course, that's a term of art. We asked Dr. Brinkerhoff what kind of counseling she and her staff would be providing. But we didn't understand her answer. Meanwhile, Andy Shiftlow did answer a lingering question of mine. First thing I did after Justin uh, flew back to London to pack up uh, was reach out to the people at So You Think You Can Dance. I had a very simple message for him, which boiled down to, We both know you can't copyright a show title, but here's a little Don't Bother Us money. They reach out right back, and so, so you think you should live is our title. 
and we're working right now and trying to copyright it. Show creator Justin Mulville has a pretty clear idea of who the potential contestants on the show might and might not be. We'll be reaching out to uh, losing contestants on other reality shows, biggest gainers on The Biggest Loser, for example. They know the drill. And then we're doing Facebook ads aimed at uh, recent divorcees and people who've lost a pet in the last month, who we're definitely not targeting as teenagers. That's an absolute no-go. Also, I understand Fox is already working on that type of show. So. And, you know, in shopping the concept, uh, networks, cable, streaming, the whole, <laughs> you should pardon the expression, shooting match, first question always came up, isn't this illegal? And, of course, we're not assisting in suicide or anything like that. So many ways that's wrong, including the legal in many states. We leave our contestants free to do what they will after the So You Think You Should Live experience totally up to them, including whether or not they use the two hours of counseling, which is part of their gift package. Actually, it is their gift package. The question came up in a staff meeting. Should we even point our winners so to speak, in the direction of, say, the Netherlands or uh, any of those places which might be of assistance. But that's really up to whether the uh, producers can make a deal with an airline. And, of course, we always emphasize we can't control what their studio or online audience decide, but we think there are going to be a lot of very inspirational endings, you know, donations of new pets, things like that. You tune in every week thinking... Could happen. They say an end comes to all things. But a beginning to So You Think You Should Live might come this fall. Stay tuned. That's it for this special edition. But Inside Extra Access Tonight comes rocking back tomorrow with our Celebrity Portrait of the Week. We take an extra close-up look at the 19-year-old white hip-hop artist from just outside Nashville, Lil Buck Naked. Till then, I'm Pat Mungo. And I'm Mike DeVere Barroso. So long from Culver City Adjacent. Now, News of the Godly. A new documentary revealing cases of sexual abuse by priests has deeply shaken Poland. Oh, no. They didn't shake Poland. Don't tell me they shook Poland. Good Lord. Um, yes, it did shake Poland uh, because it's a... One of Europe's most Roman Catholic societies is why it got shaken. Uh, an apology has come from the church hierarchy. One cleric has chosen to leave priestly life. Tell No One is the name of the film, financed through a crowdfunding campaign, released on YouTube. Um, last Saturday by Monday, had more than 8 million views. Triggering soul-searching, according to the Associated Press, which is an authority on souls where there is no higher authority, uh, social church in a country where there's no higher authority than the Catholic Church and its clergy. Why do priests commit such crimes? Why did the bishops not react as they should? Why did for years did a conspiracy of silence prevail among the clergy? Asked uh, a Polish journalist. The primate of Poland, the primate, has thanked the brothers who made the film, the Sikielski brothers, for their, quote, courage. The archbishop, Wojciech Polak, I'm just reading it, said, I apologize for every wound inflicted by the people of the church. The Vatican's ambassador to Poland, Salvatore Panacchio, 
Pinocchio. I didn't mispronounce. It's not. Also expressed sympathy for abuse survivors on behalf of both himself and Francis the Talking Pope. The Pope is very concerned, and we express sympathy and solidarity, he said. Among others in the Polish church, the reactions were mixed. Really? The Archbishop of Gdansk said he has better things, <laughs> better things to do than watch the film. Now, that's a blunt archbishop. The Reverend Jacek Prusak, a Jesuit priest, called the church, quote, a home for a herd of wolves in clerical collars that will face judgment, unquote. In March, Polish church authorities said they had recorded cases of 382 clergymen who abused 625 victims under the age of 18. Why, that's almost two victims per clergyman, and this just since 1990. The documentary presents new evidence that priests who were known pedophiles were transferred between parishes. Why, that's never happened anywhere before. Instead of being pushed out of the church or referred to police. It's a system. I think that's a theme. News. News of the godly. Copyrighted feature. This broadcast. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, where would you, um, where would you think it's okay to use, um, Questionable parts. What kind of facility would would it be okay to use questionable parts? Parts that hadn't been fully certified. What about a nuclear waste storage facility? He's not a general. He commands no troops. He's not an inspector. He peeks at no stoops. He's an inspector general. Oh, yeah. Federal watchdogs are looking into all types of parts at that $17 billion construction project at the Hanford nuclear site. The inspector general for the Department of Energy found a sample of parts going into a large waste treatment plant at Hanford have problems. Well, you know what? Oh, parts are not documented properly to ensure their safety for nuclear waste processing would be the problems. The watchdog conducted a nearly year-long study tracking 10 parts specifically all all the way back to what they're made of and who manufactured them. That's all the way back. Bechtel is the lead company building the treatment plant. It's uh, designed to process 56 million gallons of radioactive waste, waste that's now stewing in aging and possibly corroding underground tanks near the Columbia River is all, where the salmon swim. It's a system. The company has been under fire for this same issue in the past, so they're good at it. In 2019 and again in 2015, the Energy Department's Office of River Protection reported significant issues with Bechtel properly documenting parts. In 2010, a well-known whistleblower, Walter Tomasaitis, who worked for another contractor on the waste treatment plant, also raised concerns with some of the parts going into the plant. He later settled his case against the contractor. The issue of not documenting or verifying the nuclear-grade materials going into the plant is also playing out at another Energy Department site in South Carolina, according to the IG report. The report says this problem might be a nationwide issue for Energy Department at all of its sites from lack of consistent oversight. Well, it's headed by uh, former Governor Perry of Texas. He's probably overlooking it. Oh, you mean the other kind of oversight. I see. All right. He wanted, That was the department he wanted to um, get rid of when he was running for president, his abortive campaign for president. But he's taking it seriously now. Isn't he? And now, ladies and gentlemen, the Apologies of the Week. 
so sorry. A researcher hired by the Boy Scouts of America to analyze a more complete set of records from 1944 to just three years ago testified this year. She identified 7,819 suspected abusers and 12,254 victims. It's the first known tallies from the Boy Scouts. In a statement to the Los Angeles Times, it's back. Scouts officials estimated, uh, emphasized enhanced youth protection measures now in place, including criminal background checks for leaders and volunteers, and said last year produced only five known cases of sexual abuse among the 2.2 million scouts. That's an improvement, you see. We care deeply about all victims of child abuse and sincerely apologize to anyone who was harmed during their time in scouting, said the statement. We believe victims, we support them, we pay for unlimited counseling by a provider of their choice. We encourage them to come forward. The tally of more than 7,800 suspected abusers identified by the organization's expert includes some who applied but were never allowed to join the ranks. The Boy Scouts would not elaborate. Or they're not elaborate. Twitter apologized this week for inadvertently collecting and sharing the location data of users with a trusted partner. They trust them. I don't know if I do. Adding the issue had been fixed, and the company is working hard to make sure it doesn't happen again. You trust us to be careful with your data, and because of that, we want to be open with you when we make a mistake. We were inadvertently sharing and collecting, uh, collecting and sharing iOS location data with one of our trusted partners in certain circumstances. Specifically, it had unintentionally collected the location data of iOS. Those are people who use iPhones. Uh, users in more than one account and had opted to lose, use a location feature in one of these accounts. Not clear how many Twitter users have, may have been affected. All the users impacted by the incident have been contacted by Twitter to let them know this issue has been fixed. Well, they didn't contact me. Oh, okay. Dateline Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, the lobbying arm of the Catholic Church in Pennsylvania this week accused a clergy sex abuse survivor of trolling the church on social media and later apologized after a backlash. This happened on the Pennsylvania Catholic Conference's Facebook page where good things just can't not happen. It began Tuesday evening when the conference posted an update celebrating House passage of a bill restricting abortion. Hey, Pennsylvania can be like Alabama. In the comments, clergy abuse survivor Carolyn Fortney implored the legislature to take up instead an emotionally charged bill that would allow some victims of decades-old sexual abuse to sue. Several hours later, the conference shot back. Why do you have to troll here, Caroline? Don't you get enough media attention? The unsigned post read. Late Wednesday afternoon, the conference deleted the exchange and posted the apology. This response was not in line with our Catholic principles and has no place in respectful public discourse. Read the apology. It was not signed. The conference wrote it was working with the employee who posted the message about Fortney. It did not name the employee. Also, some people get confidentiality. The heiress of the German biscuit empire, Balsen, has apologized for defending the company's use of forced laborers during World War II. That takes the biscuit. Verena Balsen, 25 years old, owning a quarter of the company, sparked a backlash by telling German newspaper Bild her company had treated the laborers well and that the firm was, quote, guilty of nothing. She said in a statement that she deeply regrets her comments, adding she intends to, quote, learn more about the history of the company whose name I carry, unquote. She's 25. 
You'd think, yeah, you would. She owns a quarter of the firm, which produces the proper, po- uh, sorry, the popular Choco Leibniz biscuits. She initially sparked controversy last week when she told a marketing conference she was a capitalist who wanted to, quote, make money and buy yachts, unquote. Between 1943 and 1945, around 200 forced laborers, mainly women, worked in factories for Balsen. But she didn't know that. I deeply regret that my speech on economic sustainability at the Marketing Congress in Hamburgers turned into a debate on German history and forced labor in the Third Reich. That was not my intention in any way. It was a mistake to amplify this debate with thoughtless responses. I apologize for that. Nothing could be further from my mind than to downplay National Socialism or its consequences. I also realized that I need to learn the more about the history of the company whose name I carry. As the next generation, we have responsibility for our history. I expressly apologize to all whose feelings I have hurt. The firm added it will have its history of using forced laborers researched even more fully by independent historians. And a box of free biscuits to each of them. Prince Harry has accepted substantial damages in an apology from a picture agency that used a helicopter to take photos of the home he shares with the Duchess of Sussex, according to Buckingham Palace. The agency uh, apologized after the photos were published in outlets, including the Times. Harry and Meghan were forced to leave their homes as a result. I think they have another one. In uh, Lexington, Kentucky, WLEX-TV is evaluating further after host Lee Cruz apologized on the air for early remarks on Live with Lee and Haley. He said he was sorry one day after his reaction to a BBC radio broadcaster, guy who we had on the air in the apology section last week, for using a chimpanzee to represent Harry and Meghan. He said, this is my new favorite disc jockey. The statements expressed were inappropriate and did not reflect who we are as a company, said the VP general manager of the television station. And uh, Mr. Cruz himself said he did not read his script before going on air and was unaware of the racist actions of the BBC disc jockey. He said the mistake bothered him all day. That's not me. That isn't me at all. He called himself a full-blown moron idiot. He deserved to be called violent, ugly names people were calling him. My question is, they had to script that line for you? That's talent. Two state legislators in Oklahoma appeared to joke about sexual misconduct allegations and remarks made near a hot mic on a local TV station. One of them is um, Representative Scott Fettgatter. He said his comments were taken out of context and apologized if they trivialized sexual assault. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, it is a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. One more. Couldn't help myself. The Harvard Lampoon photoshopped the head of Anne Frank, the German-born Jewish diarist who perished in the Bergen-Belsen concentration camp, onto a shapely bikini-clad body. And it was uh, featured in a section called Your List of Reasons That the Holocaust Sucked. The undergraduate publication, which has launched staff from the campus to the writing rooms of Saturday Night Live and The Simpsons, came under fire for the crack 
The uh, doctored image ran below the headline, Gone Before Her Time, Virtual Aging Technology Shows Us What Anne Frank Would Have Looked Like If She Hadn't Died. Unquote. The Lampoon provided an apology. We realize the extent of offense we've inflicted and understand that we must take responsibility for our actions. The Lampoon condemns any and all forms of anti-Semitism. Tells you a lot about Saturday Night Live now, doesn't it? Oh, come on. We're just kidding here. Ladies and gentlemen, the kidding has to end. That's it for this week's edition of the show. Back next week on the radio at the same time on this same station. Wow, that's guts. And uh, on your other audio device of choice, on your dumb speaker, whenever you want it, or whenever Alexa wants to obey you. And it'd be just like being obeyed by all smart devices. If you'd agree to join with me that, would you? Already, thank you very much. Uh Uh-huh. Show chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Hawaii desks. Thanks as always to Pam Holstead and to Garrett Pittman here at WWNO in New Orleans for help with today's program. The email address for this broadcast your chance to get Cars I Talk t shirts and uh, the playlist to the music you hear here, all at harryshearer.com. And uh, despite everything, Despite that breach, despite their apology, despite everything, I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WW. And on New Orleans flagship station, the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from a soggy New Orleans. <laughs>